Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. God has been speaking to us in this house and I'm very, very excited. I'm very, very excited about what He's going to do. I'm very, very excited. Um, if you're just joining us, today is day 13 of our 21-day fast. And um, by the grace of God, those of you who have been fasting, the Lord is your muscle in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praying for grace for you for the remaining eight days. Eight, yes. It's just eight. Like, by Monday, we are done. We can go back to... Yes, that's if you've been really fasting. But I, I pray for strength for you. And um, one of the things, the first thing the Lord told us was what um, Yusuf read um, one of his prayer points from Isaiah 43. He said, the Lord is doing a new thing. He will create um, new rivers, new roads. Amen. Which means he will never leave us forsaken. He will always guide us. We will not be confused. We will know where to go to. And new rivers, there will always be supply. Amen. 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 So welcome to episode two of The Art of War. If you're just joining us, yes, last week we did something. I did not really title last week's on Boy Fire. To title it, I'll call it The Rules of Engagement. And, you know, we talked about... Um, don't get entangled. Stay strapped. Watch and pray and obey the king. Yeah. And, you know, like, there are rules of engagement for war, right? Almost every war. So um, during um, the First World War, there were rules of engagement. Countries had rules of engagement. Um, Second World War, countries had rules of engagement. Um, now there are rules of engagement when, uh, I think the UN kind of, like, sets the rules of engagement for warring countries. And, uh, but in the Second World War, right, like, there were times when countries threw away the rules of engagement. For instance, when the Japanese, like, um, attacked the U.S., like, some of the things the U.S. did in retaliation, like, they just threw out the paper. Like, these people, they had stereotyped them and, seen, and they were seeing them as, peop as not people. Therefore, they deserve to drop an atomic bomb on them. Do you know, I know um, there were two bombs dropped in Japan, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. A third one was planned. Just, yes. The first one killed about 70,000 people. The second one was four times stronger, I think. There was a third one. And analysts will tell you, honestly, there was no reason for the second one. America dropped the second bomb to one Russia. It sounds funny, but when we think about it, hundreds of lives gone. Gone. Do you know the funny thing? It's not funny, but the second bomb, the ground zero of the bomb landed directly over a church. And it was a Catholic church. 
So there are rules of war, I mean rules of engagement, but basically sometimes countries just, you know, throw them, throw them away. And um, the least I actually wanted to give last week was more than, you know, the four numbers I gave because this enemy that we are fighting is not someone that is negotiating with you. He's not massaging you. This is not 1010. Do you understand? Like, he's out to get you. He's out to get you. So your mindset should be one of total defeat. I am not going to give him any room. Do you understand what I'm saying? We ought to be a militant church, one that conquers kingdoms, obtain promises, chase armies to flight, and do not, we don't give room for the adversary, for the accuser. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So I, I'm trying and I'm hoping that even before the end of this series, that we will put ourselves in this posture where we are fighting from a position of victory. We are fighting to win. We are fighting because we have won. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that Jesus won the victory and gave it to us. Not just that. He, he told the enemy, line up. Like, come, come let them see you. One, like, he put the enemy on display. I want us to enter that combative zone. And when I say that, I'm not, I, I want you to fight from rest. I don't want you to be seeing everybody as your enemy. Do you understand? Your boss, your landlord, your ex. Like, are we together? Like, I want us, there's, there's so much more. And you won't, like, one of the mistakes we, we, we make is we think that whatever I will be, will be. That's not scriptural. It is not. You are supposed to fight and fight from a position of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, I pray for your word this morning. I pray that your spirit to me and through me in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome someone, our past, one of our pastors from the tribe Lagos, Pastor Oregi. Just She wanted to sneak in, but as we're praying, and the Lord and uh, Fee said we should magnify. <laughs> so, <huh? laughs> okay. Um, you know, there's a war that is going around us, and this war is 24 hours, 24-7-365. It's going on, and it is an invisible war. It is spiritual, but also it is a mental war. And um, in my study, one of the persons I was reading said that this mental war is called the invisible war because we cannot necessarily see it, but we can see the effects of the war, right? And I want to talk about the mind. As Yusuf was praying today, he was calling out a lot of things. I was saying, like, guy, don't call out all my points. <laughs> <laughs> but it just shows, like, unity of faith, yeah? That's right, that's right. Come on. <laughs> but there's an invisible war, and it's a battle. Your, your mind is a battlefield. 
like um, the world keeps, there's this, it's good now that we have the awareness of mental health, right? But I often feel like certain quarters glorify the negatives. So it's almost as if um, anxiety and depression and all mental illness is almost put on a pedestal. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but do you guys get what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's just so much focus on it. And sometimes in my conversation with even my friends, I say, why, why isn't there much conversation on mental wealth? Right? How do we gain wealth mentally? How do, I, how do we fill our minds with riches and wealth? And it's all, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down the conversation on mental health, right? I'm not putting down conversation on anxiety and depression. But I'm like, is there a way we can focus and teach ourselves how to fill our minds with joy, with truth, right? Now, not the way the world talks about um, any of these things. So the world will tell us to be happy, right? That you only live once. That's the motto, that's Drake Abbey. But we know, as children of God, that we don't live once. So we, live, we should live in a position where we know that we are going to live for eternity. So every thought, every decision we make, every action has eternal consequences. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is what, do you know, be, like you, you did not even have to know about it. Like the devil declared war on you. I, we talked about Pearl Harbor last week. Japan declared war on the US. They did not even know. The enemy declared war on you. You don't even know. And now I need you to understand something because if you read the New Testament, the labors of the apostle was to make us understand what we have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So now that you are born again and you are regenerated, you have a new mind and you should fight from that place. You should win the adversary from that position. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now in war, it's not just about shooting bullets, right? Like um, um, the great contemporary philosopher DMX said, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Is he not a philosopher? <laughs> it's not just the bullets that are leaving a gun. In war, there's, there are actually departments of psychological warfare. You know, so in the Second World War, there were times when planes would fly over certain armies and they would drop leaflets, and it was propaganda. They would try and get this army to think about their own people negatively or just kind of like to change their thinking. Then um, Hitler installed a propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, and his job was propaganda. And it's, it's so sad now because the word propaganda actually is not, it doesn't have a negative, it did not start out having a negative meaning. Um, the um, Latin word, I think, is propagare, and it means to spread about. And when it was used, it was first used by monks. So they would send monks to different places to spread the gospel, so they were propagating the gospel, right? But now, unfortunately, 
Hitler and his propaganda minister. Listen, it, it, it was kind of brilliant what they did. So the techno you know, technology of um, radio then and um, um, television wasn't around them, but so like cinema, right? This man was using these mediums, was it media, to reach people. So one of the things, because Hitler hated the Jews, right? He was anti-Semitic. So one of the things, they, they did not just start making the Germans hate the Jews, like, hey, wake up, I hate the Jews. It was gradual. First, they said the Jews should not own any radio. So they were feeding the Germans with information about the Jews that, like, this one, they are manipulative, they are the cause of the First World War, and just feeding them and feeding them and feeding them. Then gradually, they started making the Jews um, lose their jobs. Then gradually, um, this guy did it in such a way that he made the Germans see Jews as rats. So, like, he made movies and compared the Jews to rats to the point where people, and you know, one of the things people ask, one, like how can a civilized nation like Germany descend into committing so much atrocities where six million people annihilated? Like, isn't civilization supposed, isn't, isn't it supposed to help us? But what happened? They had worked on their mindset. Worked on their mind, worked on their mind, worked on their mind. There's this psychological warfare that is going on. Do you know, um, in, I think in Guantanamo, the prison where terrorists are kept, right? To break their will, do you know what they do? They play music. Some of the kind of music is Barney and Friends. I'm not even joking. I love you. You imagine hearing that for 48 hours. You are hearing, I love you, you love me. And remember, they are terrorists. Their entire purpose is to bring down Western civilization. That purple dinosaur represents everything they hate. <laughs> and they just keep hearing the, that sound. Another thing they do is they play um, Metal rock, or is it rock metal? Metal rock. So just imagine, because metal rock stars are kind of seen as the, um, egg, the, the prime example of America's decadence, right? These people represent everything they hate. Then this guy is screaming in your head, and you'll never understand what he's saying. You're like, ah! ah and you and they use it to break their will. And they just keep, they just lock them in a room for hours and hours, hearing Barney and hearing Metal Rock to break their will. Now see, psychological warfare, right, is the means of winning over an enemy without the use of force. It aims at vital target, your thoughts, your emotions, your opinions, and your attitudes. It attempts to influence behavior by the planned use of propaganda. It is used to support the accomplishment of a military mission. So there were some African soldiers, right, that fought in Second World War. And um, 
one of the things Hitler did was because Africans were effective. You understand? Like, we are effective. So he made to, to, make, to um, make his soldiers fight African soldiers in a particular way, like more viciously. They, there was propaganda, and they placed the African man as an animal. So um, POWs, African POWs, uh, prisoners of war that were caught, they gathered them and made them dance. And you know, these are African soldiers from all over the continent. So they are dancing, just thinking the camera is recording them. But what Joseph Goebbels did was he turned it down, like, see, this is what they do. They, this is a dance of, um, this is a ritual dance when they want to kill people. And they made their soldiers believe that they don't just kill your brothers. They, it, they, they kill the person and like boil their meat, they are cannibalists, and they painted this picture of the African man. So when about 3,000 soldiers were caught, like they, they messed them up. So psychological warfare aims at your thoughts, your emotions, your opinions, your attitudes, your will. And there's one going on right now. There's, there may be no war where bullets are, bullets are exchanged, but there's war on you, child of God. In um, C.S. Lewis's book, um, Scrutable Letters, how many of us have read it? Please go and look for that book. So it is, um, C.S. Lewis wrote this book where every chapter is a letter, and he was writing as a senior demon writing to his nephew, a demon who had just been commissioned to go into the field. So he was telling him, this is how God protects. So if you're reading it, it's like you're reading the mind of a demon. I don't know if that makes sense, right? But it's very, very brilliant. One of the things he was telling his nephew, um, um, Wormwood was the uncle, right? Screwtape, when he was, what he was telling Screwtape, like, see, the enemy, which is us, they think that we can possess them. But no, they, at best, all we can do is to influence them. So we cannot read their mind, we cannot do any of this, but we can put thoughts into their minds. So another, in one of the chapters, he said, see, the biggest mistake you can do is to let this guy on his own. He said the enemy, which is Jesus, <laughs> He said the enemy will do everything to, to, to keep your subject. No, patience. He was using um, Christians as patient. He said the enemy will do everything to keep your patience out of your hands. So he told his nephew this, fill his mind with jargon. Fill his mind. He said it doesn't have to make sense. Fill his mind with jargon. And you know, I can just see, like, that's one of the tactics of the enemy. The Bible says we should not be ignorant of the wiles of the enemy. What does it mean of wiles? Schemes, right? Plans, trickery of the enemy. One of the things he does is fill your mind with jargon. Fill your mind with jargon. And it's so unfortunate because jargon is lies. Jesus said that the enemy, that Satan now, is the father of lies. And lies are not just opposite of truth. Lies are 
A lie is rebellion. So like the devil represents everything that God doesn't represent. So a lie is not just the opposite of truth or you are not telling the truth. It is opposition to God. And Jesus said, the devil is the father of lies. He's the father of jargon. So this warfare that we are against, I mean, that we are in, we have to understand the wiles of the enemy, the trickery, his schemes, and how to combat it. Hallelujah. Amen. One of the things I notice is in the Christian community, we overthink and we underthink. So a prob- we overthink an issue. That is, we give too much thought to an issue, a problem, or a challenge. Or we underthink an issue. We don't give enough thought to it. And both sides, dangerous. Very dangerous. Because we make decisions sometimes when we, thank you, when we underthink, you've not given much thought to this thing. So you're not applying wisdom and you're just making a decision. And I see so many people going into business partnerships, life partnerships, marriages, how you choose your friends. You have been underthinking. Or when God sends you, you start overthinking it. When we resumed post-lockdown, the first someone the Lord gave us was go forward, right? The children of Israel were shouting, the Egyptians are behind us, the Red Sea is in front of us. Moses, you, 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 you let, you, we should have just died in Egypt. What is this watery grave you, you have brought us to? And the Lord, and Moses said, see, the Egyptians you see today, you'll see them no more. Then um, Moses thought to the Lord, and he said, why are you looking at me? Go forward. What's in your hand? A staff go forward, and he split the Red Sea. So, when the Lord says we should go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, we start overthinking it, how much is the budget? How do we convert? How much is what is so? How much is speaker? Hey, God, spirit will not come if Mike is not clear today. Like, and it shouldn't be so. Do you agree with me? Children of God, we shouldn't overthink, neither should we underthink. And so many of us are on one of the sides. You should think reasonably. And we, see, we really don't, we, we, we play with our mind though in Christian community. Like, do you know God created your mind? And we don't talk often about it. God created your mind. It's unfortunate that it's the world that is leading a conversation on mental health. We should be the one leading the conversation on mental health. Another thing is we should notice our environment and our environment. So what do I mean by that? We are often influenced by what is around us. That is your environment, right? What, what is around you? But you're also influenced by what is inside of you, your environment. 
I don't know if that's a word. I heard it from Ravi Zachariah, so he's a brilliant man, therefore. <laughs> Today it is. What's, in, what's inside of you? How are you influenced by it? It's something we should pay attention to. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want us to understand something. So also in my research, I noticed something. This is secular research now, right? All religious people by far are less anxious or depressed than atheists. Does that make Did I say that right? We are like the percentage of religious people to atheists that suffer from depression. It's like it's big. And one of the reasons they said was this. The atheist or the non-believer as the word, they don't believe in anything. So they just, we're going to end here, right? But we, we have a hope. We have a future. We look to the future with longing. Hallelujah. So Christians, like the Christian community, suffer less from anxiety and depression. Does that mean Christians don't suffer from fear, anxiety, and depression? No. Some of us do. And honestly, I was one. In 2015, after I lost my dad, I felt like I was spiritually fine, you know, like, what is she like? <laughs> Nothing. Six months into um, post his death, you know, past his burial, I was suffering from something. I did not even know I was going through it. I was in Abuja, and I would literally go to the cinema, watch a movie. I will not remember what I watched. The only thing I'll recall is myself at the gate of my house. Like, I would drive from Guarimpa to Silverbed, come back to Guarimpa, and I will not remember what happened in the past two hours. But God saved me some months later. And I now, speaking to other people, like, guy, you were in it, you were depressed. Now, some people say, how can a Christian be depressed? In reality, a Christian, a child of God, in, its, in his or her fullness, cannot be. But we are still here. But that doesn't mean that what we are going through is who you are. Where you are is not who you are. So the minute you recognize what's happening, you respond by who you are. And who are you? A child of God. Hallelujah. If any is suffering from anxiety, if any of us is afraid, we should pray. But it's not just praying. It's praying aright. You wake up and you say, let the joy of the Lord be my strength. See, some of our heroes of faith, it wasn't all rosy. David had come back from a war with his army and he came back and he saw his land um, plundered and everything is taking his wife, his children, their resources. His people wanted to kill him. What did the Bible say? He what? Encouraged himself in the Lord. Glory to God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And he asked for the effort and he sought the Lord and he said, what should I do? And the Lord said, pursue, overtake, recover all. 
Amen. Now, there are so many of you sitting here. You are sitting in chronic fear, phobias, anxiety, depression, and things you should not be living in. I'm not a psychologist. I'm married to one, so what I'm saying is true. Because we are one, I also have a degree. A master's too. Soon. Okay. But listen. A child of God, your first response, honestly, should run to Jesus. Honestly. Your first response should be to run to Jesus. When you start noticing these symptoms, stop living in that squalor. Run to him. When Anita started prayer, she said that this service, the Lord said that we should lay our burdens at his feet. Amen. So we keep walking around with this bag of anxiety and depression. And unless you lay it at his feet, you won't get the wholesome healing you are supposed to get. God forbid that we will live a life that we are stuck on um, medicine that, that is supposed to um, just take care of your mind. Now, I'm not against medicine. I hope you guys are, are getting me right. I'm not even against science. But I'm saying there's something that works even more. Glory to God. So just before I run up, I want us to, 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 to talk about how to win the battle of the mind. And it's very important that we do. See, it's very, very important. Ephesians 6 says we should lift up, uh, we should carry our shield of faith to, to guard ourselves against the what? Flaming darts or arrows of the enemy. Do you know a lot of us are walking around with arrows on our backs? Like you don't even know. You're so weighed down and you don't know why. It's because you've not been functioning according to how God sees you. Um, one of our pastors in the Lagos, Pastor Yefer, says you should rise to the level of your privilege. You should live up to the level of your privilege. That is how you see yourself as God sees you and you rise to that. Amen. Amen. Anything less than what God sees you as is less, basically. Hallelujah. So very quickly, I want to just give us how to win the battle of our mind. Um, Number one, fix your focus. Fix your focus. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Now, a lot of the prayer points that Yusuf raised really, really mention some of these things. Fix your focus. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus. Looking to who? Jesus. No, it says Pastor Jesse now. Are you sure? Looking to Pastor Fedi. Looking to the president. Looking to your uncle who you've been trusting. Is that what it says? Looking to who? Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Let's just pray in the spirit for 30 seconds and just fix your focus on Jesus Christ, the one who won it all for you. And I want you to fix your eyes on the cross. I want you to see 
victory won for you. I want you to fix your focus on Jesus right now. You have been looking towards the material things. You have been looking towards things you shouldn't be looking. Looking to people to save you. Looking to an uncle, a relative to lift you up. But the Lord is reminding you this morning that you should look to him. Fix your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Colossians 3, verse 2 to 3. Colossians 2. Colossians 3, thank you. Verses 2 to 3. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ Jesus. In Christ in Hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind on things that are what? Above. Set your mind on things that are above. Please just hold on. Set your minds on things that are above. Set your minds on things that are above. We've been looking towards earthly things for too long. You're looking at your degree thinking it will save you. You're looking at the money in your account thinking it will save you. You're looking towards people. Set your minds on things that are above. Hallelujah. Because when you start looking below, all you see are the lies that the enemy feeds you. So if you don't lift your face, if you don't raise your gaze and see the one who has won it all for you, and not just that, and see what he has won for you, you need to change your perspective, change your focus, and fix it on Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, what he has accomplished for you. Glory to God. Number two, renew your mind. Honestly, do you agree with me that so many things we need to learn, unlearn, and relearn as, as we've, we are now children of God? One of the things we need to do, children, child of God, you need to unlearn so many things. And it's hard. It's hard. It's very hard. You may come from a family, a culture, a tradition where things are done that way. If it doesn't line up to this. We need to unlearn. Now, we also need to relearn so many things. The truth that you have been one with, relearn it. Then we need to learn. Honestly, our, our faith is, a, um, is one that studies. Right? We are, and unfortunately... A large portion of the church, like um, one of our friends says, we outsource our thinking to our men of God. And it shouldn't be so. You give them your brains. And unfortunately, men of God lead the sheep to slaughter. God forbid that's, that will happen here. Amen. But... The role of the pastor is to equip you for the work of ministry. You have a duty to learn. Paul was so surprised by the Berean Christians, and he even extolled that virtue of 
them not immediately believing him, but like, oh, let's go and investigate as well. I was like, he, 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 he loved what he saw. So don't just take Jesse's word for it. Go and read it. Can you guys remember this old Nigerian movie? I don't know why this thought just came out. They were arm robbers or so, and every time the guy did something bad, he will say, now so he did for Bible. Who can remember? Yeah. He will quote his scripture. He will say, no be me talk more. But now so he did. You guys stop behaving like, like you are all algebra. but what's that? <laughs> like nobody. Okay, you're my guy, you remember. Thanks. <laughs> Baby, can I remember? Wow. <laughs> So, don't just take my word for it. Learn, unlearn, relearn. Amen. Paul tells us in Romans 12, 1 to 2, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by what? By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, let's read it together. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Glory to God. You need to stop outsourcing your thinking. Don't throw away your brain when you come to worship God. He created your mind. He wants you to use it to love him. Do you understand? He wants you to use it to worship him. Glory to God. Number three, capture your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 6. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. We destroy arguments and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Glory to God. Take every thought captive. Destroy strongholds, take every thought captive. You should stop entertaining jargon. Do you understand? Any thoughts that you know that this is not of God, do not give it room. Speak it out of your mind immediately. E what? Immediately. <laughs> Amen. For instance, one of the things that plagues our generation, pornography, lust. And now, unfortunately, some of us negotiate with lust. Omo, they know they speak in tongues with lust. So. Like, you don't negotiate with it. You don't. Like, what do you do? Japa. Amen. Amen. You wear your coat of many colors like Joseph and get the heck out of there. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is no spirituality. Get out. Amen. Amen. And I'm not just talking about the act now. I'm saying the thoughts. Do not entertain them. Don't even entertain them. Like, if you just catch yourself singing, just start singing 
Do you know, I've noticed, I told you guys like some weeks ago, for some strange reason, all spirituals have been filling my head anytime I'm preparing my sermon. Like, these songs are really powerful. I know we love Hillsong and Elevation. I was a guy like seeing all these old songs. Do you understand? I'm not even talking about the dumb one. I mean the ones that Nigerians wrote. <laughs> like, use it to wage war. Because our parents, they face things. So the songs they wrote, they were warfare songs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, use this, like, any time you catch yourself thinking of things that the Lord has not, you know this is not of the Lord, take it captive and destroy strongholds. So, the, the, the thing is, if you don't capture a thought, an argument, or a lofty opinion that rises up against the Lord, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a stronghold. And strongholds should not be plastered over should not be repainted. It should be what? Destroyed and destroyed completely. You don't negotiate with the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take thoughts captive. Number four, guard your mind. Philippians 4, 7. Guard your mind. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your, see, it is so important that the people or the person that guards your heart is not your husband, not your wife, hallelujah, is the prince of peace. Glory. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Like, even you can't understand it. It should guard your heart and your mind. Ah, child of God, we enter into relationships, conversations, into things that we shouldn't because we've not been guarding our hearts. If Jesus is not at the doorpost and, um, what's this thing called? That metal detector thing, airport. If he's not the one checking in what's going in and you've set up structures in your mind to sieve out, but you, you fail as a child of God. So let his peace, let the prince of peace guard your minds. Very quickly, and um, Yusuf mentioned this again in Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace. Whose what? Mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts you. You will keep him in perfect peace. Hallelujah. You see, so many of us, you're sitting here, you look good. But the turmoil in your heart the war that is raging in your heart, I pray God delivers you from it. And lastly, feed your mind. I had mentioned it already, kind of. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Amen. Yusuf mentioned something. He said you will become what you worship. See, you will become what you behold. And that's the truth. What, how, what, what, what the kind of music you listen to, the kind of entertainment you consume, the kind of friends you keep, these things, if you keep staying around them, your environment will influence your environment. 
we can start sharing the communion now. Your environment will influence your environment. What are you feeding your mind with? Paul says, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if any is worthy of praise, think about these things. Do you know, I was also in my study, I noticed something. There is the lost art of meditation in the Christian community. I think it's because um, meditation has been almost, should I say colonized? Or stolen by people, as Ravi Zacharias calls it, a mass market spirituality. So these people imported Eastern spirituality into the West and they made it into some sort of product and commodity. So anytime we hear meditation as children of God, we don't, we don't like it. But we are called to meditate on the Word of God. We are called to meditate on the Word of God. What did the Lord tell Joshua? You should meditate on these things, what? Day and night. Jewish meditation is not sitting down, crossing your legs and then, mm, no. That is not Jewish meditation. Jewish meditation is about not just yeah, speaking the word of God, but it is your means, like you're speaking scripture, you're confessing scripture, but it is your means of establishing your relationship with God. So there is a focus. You're not just re 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 reiterating chants. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think we should get back to that and, and relearn that art of meditation. Sometimes we just read the scripture, carry the Bible and run. Like you've read chapter one, okay, like I'm good. No, let what you've read sink. Think on these things. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. Think on these things. What have you been feeding your mind with? If honestly, one of the things, one of the best things I started doing was sanitizing my social media in the past few months. Unfollowing, blocking, muting, fam, it is sweet. Yeah. Honestly. Number one, every day there is a reason to be angry at Nigeria. Do you understand? So I don't want to, Jesus say we should be praying for governments and this thing. So let me stay on my focus. It's not that I'm ignorant of what's happening, but I don't want to see one tweet that will, do you understand? So like now they've increased, okay. Fix, fix our focus. Amen. So help yourself, honestly. Help yourself. Um, there's a new documentary that just came out on Netflix, and it was, um, I don't know how many of us have seen it, The Social Dilemma. And former employees of the social media networks were talking about how they designed this product to keep us enslaved to them. A friend was telling me that the person that... Um, invented the endless scroll, said one of his biggest regrets is that thing because it has been weaponized to just keep people going down. Endless scroll, you're on Instagram. Have you been on your phone and you're wondering why I've... Have you, like you just, like, like the prodigal son, you come to yourself. <laughs> Do you understand? You're like, what am I doing? We have a war to win. One of the biggest battles you have to win is the battle of your mind. The tribe, are we going to be 
that army that wins that battle in our minds. Amen. Are we going to let the devil fill us with jargon and we live less than what God has created us to be? No, nehi, nada, zilch. We are going to live up to what God has called us to be. Amen. Can you just carry your communion elements and just pray in the spirit for a few minutes? I want you to wage battle. One of the ways to win this battle of the mind is to pray. So can we just rise if you want to please? And I want you to start in a form of prayer and take that position take that militant position that combative position and say I will not relent I will not relinquish I will be a victor I will not let the enemy fill my mind with jargon rather I will fill my mind with the truth of God which is love I will see myself as God sees him and I will move at the speed of God and I want you to just pray tribe this morning and commit yourself into the Lord's hand and because you are a soldier in his army he has won it all for you including your mind Mighty Father, I speak against any person, any, any person here that is suffering from depression. We speak it out right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father Lord, we know that you are able to fill his or her mind with peace, Lord. Fill them with your love. Let them know that they are loved, that they are not alone in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your spirit wrap them Wrap them in your arms right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them feel your warmth in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Father, open our eyes to see what you are doing, Father Lord, in our generation. Seeing, Father Lord, as you see in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Father, is there any person that is struggling with opinions or themselves that a family member has said concerning them that they are ugly, that they can never be so successful, that they can never get married, that they can never have children. Mighty Father, this instance, we pull down those strongholds right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We take every thought, every thought captive, every emotion, hate, Father Lord, jealousy, envy, strife, anything that is not of you, contempt, Father Lord, we take it captive in the mighty name of Jesus. But Father, you will fill our minds, Father Lord, with your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, understanding, self-control, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father Lord, I pray any person that is standing here, that is in this room, that is living less than that you have called them to be, Father, I pray that you open your eyes, Father, to see what is good, what is perfect, what is your will for them in the mighty name of Jesus. Any person that is here that is thinking that they can never become. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the might, in the house of the tribe Abuja, we will live as you have called us to live in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Father Lord, this house is going to be an army of executors in the mighty name of Jesus. An army that worships you. An army, Father Lord, that delivers captives from the bondage of the enemy. An army, Father Lord, that is successful, that lives in abundance, that is given by the Spirit of God. We are an army, Father Lord, that wins your people, wins the lost, Father Lord, back to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We will put the enemy to flight. We will conquer kingdoms of darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. Father Lord, thank you for the gifts you have given us. Thank you for the weapons of warfare that you have given us. Thank you, mighty Father. For in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you.